time on Distinguished Adventurers. Our four companions are descending into the tunnels under Yangjing. They're headed to a spot under the Kiln District to investigate an explosion that happened a few weeks ago to try to figure out the cause. They've been asked by an archeologist in charge of this entrance, basically as payment for letting them officially go down, to stop at a place along the way where some unauthorized people had a little camp out to see if there are any hints about, you know, who they were and why they were there. With a rough map of the tunnels and a day to explore, our companions head down into the shaft, into the darkness below, and that is where we begin tonight. Welcome, distinguished adventurers, to 2024. We've survived. Yay! Yay! As much as anyone might have... Everyone's got different feelings about the new year. I'm just happy that not only did we all survive, but y'all are here with me. So yay to another year of good friends. And uh, my drink today is, I'm going with hot chocolate, even though it's relatively early for me. I I just needed something warm. And to put this recording in a very specific place and time, it is freezing outside. The entire country has been hit by... They called it an Arctic bomb. Is that what it's called? Which I know is a little bit of a gross. Cold, like it's so cold you can't even say the U in the F word. So it's fack. It's called fack. (laughs) I thought it was a. Is it? Is it technically that y'all are getting the polar vortex? Is that what that is? I I don't know. We also Mm. got an earthquake here last night. Three of them. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple of days have just been, and and it's one of those colds that have hit everywhere in kind of North America, both Canada, the United States, and where everybody's just getting colder than they're used to. So I am inside with good friends and a big mug of hot chocolate, and that makes me happy. You know what also makes me happy? Jonathan, uh, who are you playing and what you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play El Torito, the Goblin Barbarian, and today I am drinking some leftover Prosecco. Oh my from God. New Year's. I had two of these tiny little bottles, uh, one that uh, that I had on the day, on the evening, and then the other is sitting in the stemless Bucky's wine glass. I have no transition. Uh, That's to, okay. T- today, our dedication goes out to Flotster. Thank you so much. I raise my Bucky's glass full of Prosecco to you. Thank you for your patronage, and we appreciate your patronage. Blink, blink. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I, I don't know why you're giving me this look. I know you're just like, oh, it's, I appreciate your patronage. I appreciate your patronage. But guess what? You're right and you're right. We're going to move over to Jules because uh, she had a very strong reaction to the Prosecco and I'm very interested to find out why. So Jules, what you drinking? Who you playing? I just love tiny bottles of things. I mean, yeah. Well, it's yeah. perfect because I'm the only one that drinks it. And this apparently was like, I, I took a sip and it, it was like up to here in the glass. So it was like, the perfect single serving of Prosecco. Okay, that, yeah, perfect. I like I like that. Because, like, champagne is one of those, like, you can open a bottle of wine and you don't have to drink it all. But, like, champagne, you open it and you're just like, well. This is my life now. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. And and I, it's, ironically, I don't think champagne is something that lends itself to being drunk in high volume because of the bubbles and the headache potential and the... I'm old. Um, I'm drinking water, but the best thing, I did have like ginger ale earlier while we were like just hanging out and shooting the shit, but really the important thing is that it's uh, lunchtime where I'm at, and I have uh, the second half of my shawarma from yesterday, and for those of you who are like, really, leftover shawarma, it's also Aggie toaster oven, my friends. Yeah. Toaster oven, and it's perfect. It's, it's like, 
it's not only heated up, but there's a little bit of crispiness on the pita that it's wrapped in. Thank you. And it's like everything is actually the right temperature. Uh, but yes, it Love is it. very snowy here. It's not as cold here, actually. I think it might be if we looked at the temperature. I am further north than everyone. I, it's above freezing where I'm at because I'm not in the Midwest of either country. Uh, so I might be actually the warmest. Maybe Lauren. I don't think it's it's probably in the upper 30s. We, I haven't checked today, but it was under freezing. We are currently 17 degrees right now. Fahrenheit. Oh, shit. Fahrenheit. It's, Rel- relatively. It's 33 yeah. Fahrenheit here. So, yeah, I am maybe the warmest person, but we got I think on. you might be, yeah. The warmest yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But we have, like, probably overnight got more than a foot of snow. Uh, so mm. we just are waiting for it to get cleared so we can yeah. go walk our dog. And that's the thing. So John and I are relatively in the same area of the Pacific Northwest where it is unseasonably cold because getting under freezing for us is a little odd uh, and definitely getting snow. You're you're probably going to get more snow than I will in my lifetime here. But John, what are you drinking and who are you playing? Well, as you said, uh, and I said, it is 17 degrees and it is actively snowing right now. So kind of similar to you, I have a mocha. Uh, I added a little bit extra caffeine in mine with some coffee for this snowy Saturday morning. Love it. Love it. And moving on to one of the other people who's probably used to the cold and the snow on a regular basis. Jack, who are you playing? What you drinking? Good people of the Radiant Citadel. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Thuviup in the uh, Azamar uh, magician slash wizard slash street magician performer type person. And I, I'm happy to announce that I am the warmest boy. It is 44 degrees here right now. Philadelphia wins! Yeah. Okay, can we start an award called the Warmest Boy Award? <laughs> Every time we play, it can be it can be in any season. It works for any season. Yeah. And, and, and it boy is, is sort of neutral here. B-O-I. Boy can be the warmest boy for sure. Yeah. Boy, yeah. boy spelled B-O-I. Kind of in the same way when you talk about puppies being the goodest boys. Anybody just, is allowed yeah. to be a boy. Then it's just like today, the warmest boy is Jack. Yeah. <laughs> you Jack are wins. the winner. Yeah, you win warmth. <laughs> I am the initial warmest boy. I love it. I That's love it. your prize. Your prize is something you already have. Enjoy it. There you go. Right at this moment, it is just water, but I'm happy to announce that my coffee game has been increased. Uh, I was part of a Secret Santa recently, and my good friend Dop was able to send me some uh, some nice uh, coffee and some Earl Grey tea as well. So you Ooh. might see that on some future episodes. Nice. Good coffee is one of those things in where it's not necessarily a lot more expensive to get, but the quality the, the quality of the coffee greatly increases increases with the price. I have found anyway. Tea, tea is just good all over. Um, all right. So as I was talking about in our tiny little recap, you are all currently descending a- Into the a mine. fairly- Sorry. I'm going <laughs> to say I know we're not in a mine, but- I mean, you're not in a mine, but- there's a lot of similarities, right? Like the tunnel you're going down, the shaft that you're currently descending has been reinforced in the same way that a mine would be. The ladder that you are descending on is a metal ladder that you can tell, while not recently installed, has 
is fairly new. There's probably like a wooden ladder here before and has been replaced with something much more solid and steady and bolted into the side of the rock. There are little tiny crystals embedded into the opposite wall from where you are descending that are giving off kind of a dim glow. Uh, Those of you with any arcana can very easily tell that this is some kind of enchantment just to give light as you are descending. It's quiet and it definitely gets cooler and more moist as you go down, which is not too surprising. But you do descend quite a ways, probably a good two, two and a half stories worth of of descent to give kind of a, a general idea. And when you reach the bottom, it's a dirt floor, but the stone around you is kind of half worked, half natural cavern. And you arrive at the bottom in a tiny little chamber. It's only about probably 10 by 10, a little bit of a tight fit that also has a couple of these glowing lights embedded into the side of the wall. There are three different ways to go from this chamber. And so looking around, you can see there's actually a tiny little wooden table that's all scratched up that Zeph, you definitely know, is probably just like there for convenience for people coming down and going back up. This is basically a a place to land and collect yourself before you go on. You were given a map of this general cavern slash tunnel slash city ruin system. There are some warnings on it that, you know, things will shift. There might be changes because of rock slides or creatures that have burrowed or things like that. But in general, you have a fairly good idea about the tunnels you specifically need to take in order to get to the two places you need to go. Nothing that says here be dragons. (laughs) (laughs) No, no dragons as far as you can tell. Is there, honestly, for me, it's like usually really a struggle to keep a map in my mind. Is there a visual? So... Yes and no. So on the positive side, because you have a map at this moment, I'm not going to be asking you to make like survival checks and make decisions about a whole bunch of things. So you don't actually, for right now, need to know about like, oh, we're taking a left or taking a right, because you all have the map and know where you're going. Depending on what happens, there may be a point a little later on in where you will make some decisions. And yes, there will be a map. I've got graph paper. I'm not sending you into a labyrinth that you're going to have to like uh, figure out. It's not a maze. You have a map to where you're going. Like I said, depending about some decisions you make along the way that have nothing to do with spattle awareness, there may be some points where, yep, I've got a map ready for you where... So basically... Any point in where I'm going to ask you if you want to do a specific directional thing, you will have a map. I'm trying to talk in generalities without spoiling anything, but does that help? So basically, the map we have is like, as long as we're following to the path we're going to, we just kind of hand wave it. But anytime we try to go explore, then we'll have a map. Yes. That and also, and this you would know. So I'm going to imagine you all come on down and kind of gather in this little antechamber, pull out the map, and uh, Zeph, you can even kind of show, oh, this is the route we're going to take over here and here. And what's been marked on your map are two specific locations that you can see 
exactly where to go to. One of them is this this campsite by this group that you've been asked to just do a, a very quick investigation on. And the other is the general area under the Kiln District, which is your eventual destination to do some investigation on to figure out what happened in this explosion. But your map clearly shows which way to go. And out of play, I'm not going to be asking you to make those kinds of choices unless you go, okay, well, the map says we go this way, but we want to go off into the darkness, which you can if you want to. I guess I'm confused then a little. Like, it's a ton. Like, I've envisioned a tunnel system where there's more, like, corridors that you could, turns that you could take. Yeah. So you're not wrong. And in fact, as you're standing here, the map clearly says of these three different directions you can go, these three different quote unquote tunnels, it clearly tells you which one to go to go to where you're going. You can also see in the light of this room, which extends a little bit, but you can also tell that eventually you're going to need your own source of light. Two of these tunnels look like cavern systems. There are natural walls. They are dirt or stone floors. One of them, after a couple of feet, you can see in the dim light, and this is uh, not the one you're going down. There's actually a portion of the wall that switches from being a natural cave-like wall into worked stone, actual bricks. And you would all know that because of the nature of this being essentially a sunken city under the city, this was an entire city that was built on top of for the current city, it's going to be a lot of you'll be walking along and you might be in a natural cavern that then will transition into a room in a a building that had collapsed and is now underground. So you're going to see a bit of both. And that's that's going to be kind of the variance that you're going to see as you go. But the map will clearly show you the direction and the the specific tunnels that you need to take. I am a human. It has been many ho- uh, a couple of holidays since we last played. And I have a toddler who decided to uh, run off with my notebook. Can you remind me the name of the group that we were asked to investigate? <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember anything. Nope, that's okay. The group, there's no name for them. What you were told specifically by, let me pull up his name. Um, It was Dr. Wang, right? Yeah. uh, Yes, Dr. Zheng Wang. Yeah. Wen. Wen, sorry. Wen. The way he was able to get you to officially be able to go into these tunnels and explore is he's asked you to do, uh, to go to a specific place where... Archaeologists of his noticed a campsite of a couple of people camping out, and they were people who were not authorized to be in the tunnels. Now, that's not unusual because oftentimes there are there are basically like dungeon delvers that go in without a permit. There are people who go essentially grave robbing, even though they're not supposed to be down here and it's a dangerous place to be. And so no one knows who these people were. And the archaeologists who saw them in Dr. Wen's view wisely chose to not engage because a lot of the time those people, if they're mercenaries or if they're if they're there doing untoward things, it's not a good idea to engage. So what he's hoping is that you can go on by to where they were camped to see if 
if they're not there anymore, find any reason for them to be there? Did they leave anything behind or were there any indications for who they were? So you actually don't know and he doesn't know who they were, what they were doing, just that there were some people camped in this spot who weren't supposed to be there. But it's a Tom Jones situation. It's not unusual. Oh, (laughs) I was trying okay. to <laughs> I was totally lost. I'm like, well, sure, one of them That's could be named you, Tom Jack. Jones. Sure. Just Thanks. for you. Here, here we go. Here's your flavor text, uh, since there are archaeologists controlling this, in that as we go down into these tunnels, what we see uh, lining the walls are a uh, lovely pieces of string that are at a select amount of intervals marking the levels. and. I assume occasionally pieces of these tunnels open up and we actually see gridded off units. And what you see is like, obviously, just 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 for your FYI, ain't nobody leaving their trowel just around. Uh, you take that shit with you. You clean your shit up. But you might see like little piles of like dirt. Uh, maybe at some point somebody was told to get out and they left like, a sifter. Uh, they left a screen somewhere. And those are for everybody who has done any archaeology and they're like, if archaeologists were in here, it'd look a little different. There you go. This is your permission to picture whatever whatever levels you think would be appropriate in these tunnels. If you have worked on something massive like this and you're like, well, this isn't how you'd handle it. Congratulations None of us have worked on something massive like this, but we're just going to pretend for the sake of the existence of archaeologists working on this, that it looks like whatever archaeological association decides it should look. And and there are every now and then you see maybe like a test unit popped up here or there, or you see where they haven't quite backfilled anything yet. And... All the different things, it's like this is a site that they have worked on and that they maybe stopped worked on or maybe fundings come in and out or all those glorious things that you believe that we should be saying that we do not have the time to say and research and do assume that they are there. How dare you? How dare you ask me to pretend in this game that takes place in my imagination? How (laughs) dare? I know. (laughs) I'm going to yes and on to that because also... What you have to remember is there's a couple of of key differences to this area that you're going through that are not something that we would normally encounter in the real world. One, which is there's two different kinds of stories going on here. There's the stories that Jules is talking about that actual archaeologists use that can be in in tiny little increments, inches, maybe a foot here or there. Actually, Uh, probably metric. We're well, not in the metric, United but... States. It's favorite. It's probably metric. <laughs> it's probably metric. It's yeah. It's it's what your DM can think of at this moment when I'm not Canadian mm. enough to be able to do yards. But when I talk about how many stories you've gone down, I'm literally talking about like building stories. Like you've gone down into sub basement three. That's how low you've gone. From now on, when you hear level, you're thinking about things like buildings, and I know that you're like, yes. what are the levels? Like how? No, don't worry about it. The other thing to remember, this is a magical area that is currently warded in ways that are still being explored. Um, So there's all kinds of magic things going on. And this is a dangerous area, which I know there's a lot of archaeological digs that are in dangerous areas. But this is definitely a place in where 
active monsters are roaming. And so that's one of the reasons that Dr. Wen wants you to go take a look at this campsite because any of his people, any of his archaeologists and explorers that he would send down know better than to stay overnight if they can because the longer you stay, the more likely it is that some roaming creature is going to decide to have you for lunch. I was just thinking of something. The uh, the YouTube algorithm in its wisdom decided to put a whole bunch of architecture videos in my uh, my feed. And one of the things that came up was Kowloon Walled City. And uh, just the idea, for those who don't know, it was sort of like this no man's land in what was once British Hong Kong, where because it was a Chinese army military base, refugees who otherwise didn't have a place in Hong Kong could actually build there. And what ended up being a, first a small settlement ended up being built on top of each other with any kind of zoning or laws that became massive. I think something like a million people lived in an area the size of four football fields. And it was attracted for a lot of crime, but also there was an active community there. Like even without any kind of formal government, they sort of had associations to discord people who needed, you know, company to keep certain areas of it open. But in the process of building it, it kind of almost became like a living thing because of the higher up you went. Every level was different in terms of how to get there. And the only way you could get anywhere is by memorizing how many five, six, seven, eight turns you had to go. And one of these days I thought about asking you to do something inspired by it. And I didn't, I remember hearing about it a little bit as a kid, because I've seen pictures of it. They look familiar, but I didn't know as much about it then at a young age as I, as I do like now. And if I were a meaner player, I'd think about asking Lauren to do something based on that, but that would be so intricate. It wouldn't do justice to it. But the idea of doing something uber dense and like, I think the other comparison was to like the, the Hive Cities from Warhammer or sort of similar. In oh, jeez. Like, yeah. Yeah. The... For a real world world comparison, and this is actually an unintentional thing, uh, Seattle itself is built on top of itself because back in the day, there was the Great Seattle Fire, which destroyed much of the city. And because the city itself is right on the coast and we're in amongst lots of water, it all basically sank. And there are tunnel systems and all sorts of literally kind of what I'm describing as this old city of Yangjing is a lot of what you get if you go on any of the underground tours in Seattle. You can be walking through a sewer system and then all of a sudden be in a building and then all of a sudden be in a cave. And there's it's a massive system of basically if an entire city got pulled underground and destroyed. And it's Dangerous and fascinating and all of those things. So yeah, if if for anybody who is interested, especially if you're into ghost tours, the Seattle Underground Ghost Tour is a very popular tourist attraction. Or you can go do the you can do the safe for children and not safe for children versions, because the not safe for children versions goes into some of the more untoward things that were happening once all this took place. And yes, I'll even say you're not gonna go past one of these areas on the route that you plan on taking. But that idea of here's an area where there's blocked off with string and, and everything that Jules described, there are specific places in where that is happening. And it's mostly in some of the areas in where the old city is uncovered in where this is like the courtyard between what used to be two buildings uh, or even the inside of what used to be a, a conference area. And so you'll see kind of this interesting mishmash of wild tunnel cavern system, narrow corridors of a city that's underground and a mix of the two. 
The distinguished adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on January 21st at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. B-L-O-G-G-R-U-M-P-U-M-P. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. So at this point, since you you know where you're going, and like I said, unless you tell me that you want to go off the path, you know exactly what direction you're going. The only thing I need to know is what light source are you using as once you get about 10 feet away from this landing area, it is pitch black. And so only those of you with dark vision can even see little bits. I need to figure out if I have dark vision. I have 60 feet, but that's not going to give me the details that I want Yeah, as yeah. an archaeologist. So I'll probably just do the, the light spell, the light cantrip. I was going to say, I mean, it's probably overkill. I have the light spell as well, so I could probably just use that. Dark vision will help, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's shades of gray as much as you're just not going to get nearly as much detail if there's zero light and all you're relying on is dark vision. Now, the light spells that the two of you have absolutely will give you plenty of light to be able to navigate by. And in this case, it's mostly about safety because a lot of these areas, while you know which way you're going, there might be some tricky areas to navigate that are not going to be, you know, flat surfaces. So having a light is going to be very useful. I'm assuming it sounds like one of you is is casting light on something. Uh, I'm going to cast it on the head of my moon mace. Okay. Basically kind of be like a fake, a torch in the literal sense of it is a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> and also, also good in case there's some kind of weird gas or shit down here. Don't, I'd rather have light that's not flammable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my only other question is, Zeph, do you plan on leading the way or, and this is mostly just about the light, because like I said, you've got a map, you know where you're going. Uh, where in the clump of four of you do you plan on being as you move? I would probably get near the the front with El Torito. And uh, before we decide on which path we're going to take, uh, Zeph will suggest that the, the um, I think that we should check out the campsite as a professional courtesy to uh, Dr. Wing. Uh, and then we can continue on to the Kin District. Um, agreed. I think if we run into something in the Kiln District that has us running out of here, I would hate to have not done the one thing we said we would do. Yeah. Fell up and nods in assent. And Una's right. gonna like poke at El Torito and she'd be like, El Torito? El Torito is a bit traumatized from his experience with his previous adventure group that he has not talked about at all. So I'm gonna say he is going to be very quiet. As we're walking along, uh, El Torito, he's looking at the walls and not really looking at anyone else. It looks like he might be just keeping watch and keeping an eye out, but he's. Very quiet. A lot quieter than 
you've seen him be in the time that you've known him. And and we'll say for the sake of all of y'all, it's not that he's he's distracted, but he is actively looking. He right. is keeping an eye on everything. So, but I also knew he El Torito would be towards the front with me. Yeah, okay. that probably makes sense. So yeah, you head down the tunnel towards where the campsite is. You can tell both by the map and by Zeph your experience with being in these tunnels from the old city. It's probably going to take about an hour to get there, unless you really want to be booking it, just to be a little on the cautious side and wind your way. Not the, the path, while it is clear on the map, it is not a direct line A to B. In general, when you're in the rough-hewn tunnels, the cave system parts of this underground network, the ceilings are about 10 feet high, and it's it's a little more rough, and you have to be a little more careful about how you're stepping and where you're going. Every once in a while, as you break into areas that are actual buildings from the old city, those tend to be a little bit bigger. The stone floors smooth out, the ceilings get higher. And as you go for like the first 30-ish minutes, it's very well trodden. You can all very clearly see these are passages and areas that people come and go quite a lot. And the further you get from the entrance point to the old city, the more and more things are obviously not as well trodden. There's a couple of spots where the map shows that you need to go down a left tunnel, even though the right tunnel will get to the same place just longer, but you end up having to take the longer one because there's been a cave in. Um, so there's definitely been shifts and changes, but for a, quite a while, it's kind of a, a quiet but simple walk. It's eerie. There's definitely echoes. The light helps you a lot, but I guess I'll ask, are you all trying to also be quiet? Or at this point, are you more concerned with just getting to where you're going? I want to ask... Does, is anybody like annotating the map as we go, so that uh, Zeph would be? Yeah. Or are you asking person? Are you asking character or person? Oh, either or. I, character, I guess. Like, do we wanna? Do we wanna just say like? Because I think this is like more flavor text where it's like, oh, there's things yeah. like I assume that we would go and annotate the map. Like, yes. oh, don't take that cave. Like yes. marking cave ends, marking like places where there's been. Zeph, one hundred percent, is all for it. <laughs> and yeah, it makes sense. This is a personal question. Are there any, like, mushrooms or anything that are glowy? Una wants to see if she can bioluminesce in imitation. Ooh. I like that. Because, like, she's, she's a changeling. Yeah. She wants to see, she wants to, like, if there's glowy mushrooms, Una Una's quiet as a matter of course. Like... So she's like, she's not got, she's not a clanky bastard like Bernie was. So she's sort of like, instead of being <laughs> no, like, she's like, and I, I assume when we get close, like after we do this part, we get closer to a part where we might run into people we don't want to see. Una will probably take the lead because she is quiet, but she wants to see if she can buy a luminous because that would be cool. That would be. Okay. Give, give me a second. I'm going to... I know bioluminesce is not one of the natural things that a, a changeling can do, but I like this idea too much yeah. 
Um, just kind of looking at what your shape changer actually lets you do. Yeah, that's so. the thing. I know this is pushing it, but I just think it would be fun because, like, I like the idea that we've established that it's sort of chameleon-esque in that, like, she can make her skin look like different patterns and, like, she it's not an all or nothing kind of transition. She can tweak it. So I like the idea that she could, like, she's sitting there and she's trying to, like, she's trying to make it where she's growing mushrooms on her arm. And I feel like she's like, if I can get the mushroom to grow, I can understand what I'm mimicking that makes it bioluminous. And then I could just bioluminous without having mushrooms on my arm. Okay. Uh, Thevy Uppen, what was your quick question? And then I'm going to, I'm going to describe a few things. I was just thinking out loud, like, even if Una couldn't directly, like, sort of shapeshift that way, it's just more of changing. There are ways to sort of shift, like, that would either catch the light that's already there or potentially like, mm. expose or make translucent some of Una's skin so that things that would naturally shine or glow, like nerves or stuff like that, would be more readily apparent. Oh, shit. Here's a question for you, Lauren. Sure. Jack made me think about this. So <laughs> when he was talking about, like, changing elements, so, like, naturally, human beings don't, like, have, like, there's some things that help animals see in the dark. I want to say eye shine is one of them. Could, to make to make her vision from when she needs to sneak away from, like, light sources, if we need to be sneaky, could Una change her eyeballs? Like, what level of, like, she wouldn't give herself dark vision in this change, but could she, the, when it is a structural issue that allows for a creature to see better in the dark, in theory, could she change her eyeballs to see better? Not perfect, not like dark vision level better, but just like better than she would normally. Oh man, that's obviously the need for glasses. That's amazing. Bye-bye, astigmatism. So my goal with, with especially something like this is rule of cool until it makes it that uh, you're overpowered to the point of stepping on other characters' toes. So here's this was a fun here's, the bioluminescent is yeah. just I just want to buy I, if I had this power I would want to bioluminesce for fun. <laughs> just get the, all you get yeah. is the ET glow finger. Just get like, one <laughs> blue finger and I'm like oh, guys like just the one. Like, very nice, very nice. They're like very nice. You know this is a this is a serious mission and it was like I made my finger glow. I look look it's a mushroom. Okay, here's here's what we're gonna say. So we're gonna start with the the basic of. What a changeling can do as part of your lineage, which is you can adjust your height and weight and your size, medium and small. So that's how you can be all these different uh, appearances. Mm -hmm. The game statistics technically don't change. So as far and and I'm not saying no to anything. I'm just leading up to something. Basically, just because you become, say, a drow doesn't mean you suddenly get dark vision because it's all appearance wise and you can't add limbs so you you actually couldn't you could become an aarakocra but it would become a wingless aarakocra that kind of thing that all being said i like the idea of so at least without anything else while you can't necessarily give yourself better vision definitely una would have used her abilities when she needed to be stealthy to literally change how she looks to be more chameleon-like. Mm. So 
So you've already talked about how, you know, out in the city, you can change your appearance to be more just blending into the crowd. In a dark cavern like this, you can definitely alter the way that your skin looks, the way that your hair looks, the, the way that your body looks to be a non-standard version of whatever you are, but in order to blend better into the darkness, to blend better against the walls of the cavern. So instead of bioluminescing, she's going to freak the whole party out and disappear. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> your health is pretty damn good. So, but but as far as the bioluminescence goes, here's here's what we're going to do. So I'll say in the future, if you ever decide, hey, I want to stealth for a variety of reasons, and here's what I'm going to do as far as my shape changing ability to make that easier or better, uh, I'll take that into account either for the DCs or give you advantage. For the bioluminescence, I'm going to describe something. So as you are walking along, about 45 minutes into this trek, you've been walking in what has been more of the old city, more of the, the worked stone. It's almost as though you've been walking through what used to be probably like an office building, rooms with corridors that seem to have the detritus of desks and chairs, obviously very well picked over, very rotted, nothing that really stands out. And as you are leading into one of these passages that you can tell by the crack that you have to go over, that there was obviously some kind of shift in the ground and a whole section of where you're headed to kind of descended maybe a foot, like a, a good chunk of a whole area. Nothing that is going to impede your progress as far as like caverns or anything, but like all of a sudden there's a foot drop. And everything is kind of more cracked and a little unstable. And you enter a room. It's a room in the the very basic sense of it is worked light gray stone. Uh, it's got a floor that looks like it used to be a cream tile that is all cracked. And you know how like cream tile, whitish tile will... It doesn't get gray with age. It kind of gets that weird yellow. Yellow. Yeah. Yeah. In your light spell, it's definitely got kind of that sickly yellow cast. There's sections of the wall that have fallen away that now reveal dirt. And as you enter this room, on the one side where there's a little bit of a cave-in where some of this dirt has come in because the wall has broken free... There are some plant life, and you've seen plant life as you've been going. There are definitely plants that grow in the underdark, as it were. And these are the first ones that you've come across that, Una, you've been keeping an eye out for that are, they're small, but they are bioluminescent. And it's not mushrooms as much as the moss that's growing on a spot of this dirt that's fallen in is giving off a, a nice, it's actually a very pretty, almost lavender glow. The moss itself is green with that, that kind of variegates up into a darker purple. The other thing you see is an issue, which is the area that you're supposed to continue on. So you've come into this room from one direction. You're supposed to continue on. The passage you're supposed to go, part of it has collapsed. And there is now what looks like a sewer grate 
has kind of fallen in and uh, sideways into this hole. Is this an ooze situation? Uh, we can start looking for stuff in a second. Oh, not ooze. But- this, I'm thinking Ninja Turtles, not... Oh, secret oh, of the yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. N- not no. actually not not how I should be thinking. I was like, shit, is this biome are we gonna become is she gonna touch this and become a ninja turtle? <laughs> TCRI. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where Una becomes a turtle. A turtle. A ninja turtle. I know people have done that before, but I still oh, oh, yeah. think we should. So no, what you see is essentially the pathway before you has, because of some collapsing that has happened, has turned into part of what used to be the sewer system. You can continue on through, but there is a barred grate that's kind of sitting on its side. You can see through it. You can see that you can continue on your way, but this barred grate is stopping your progress, and you can see stuff dripping from the the ceiling down in front of it and well that's not great (laughs) i love you so much here's what we're gonna do i need everyone to roll perception checks as you enter this room yeah there's a three plus three which is a six una's very distracted by the the glowy moss yeah fabiapin 19 and zeph a 12 and el torito 11 uh el torito that was a performance check (laughs) Oh, uh, (laughs) perception. What I actually roll? Uh, oh, ten, uh, nine. Okay. He's performing at seeing good. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Considering El Torito has been a little unnerved as you've been walking, that that actually, the performance actually kind of makes sense if you've been trying to hide how unnerved you've been. So El Torito and Una, you see all of this and you're kind of focused, I guess, you could say a little bit more on the glowing moss on the right. It's the first time you've come across anything obviously unusual. You've come across plants before on this walk, but this is the first like, oh, this is a little different. Zeph and Thaviapin, you both notice the sewer grate itself, the destruction that caused this to be here. It's uneven. It's not perfectly straight. It's kind of canted uh, a little on an angle. Um, But you do see that because this was not just a grate to stop large pieces of detritus from coming through the sewer, but obviously an access point for at some point, you do see that there is a door in this grate with a keyhole. It's pretty rusted and everything, but you can see that there is like a way to open this up, at least naturally. Zeph, the other thing that you notice is... It's very moist in here, and so the the dripping of water and kind of the wet walls are not unusual, but you do notice the drip that is happening in front of the gate has a greenish cast to it that indicates this is not just water. El Torito is going to either try and bash the gate in with his hammer or rip the gate out of its hinges. Before El Torito does that, Zeph goes, wait, 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 let me check the, the water, it's not quite right. Or do you wait for Zeph, uh, El Torito? I wait for, I, I wait for, for them, yes. Okay, so like... It, but he's like, as he's waiting, so for those of you who've played golf, sometimes people's backswings are very quick. So they, they swing back and they swing forward very quickly. Some people's are very slow. 
El Torito is doing the slowest backswing possible as he is about to bash this gate in, but waiting on Zeph. I thought it was like the slowly pulling it out of the hammer space. But he's moving his hammer. He's keeping his wrist straight. He's keeping, he's not have, he doesn't have a bend in his arm. He's bringing it all the way back. Zeph better say something. Uh, yes, yes. One, two, two. Yes. Uh, and then Zeph's, well, Zeph's trying to like, th- th- stumbling over, t- trying to stop El Torito. He's going to try to see what's causing it to be weird. And Una is a, normally would be helping Zeph, but unfortunately, Una is not paying attention and is going, I can make it green. I can make it purple. Why can't I make it glow? And she's turning her arm colors and patterns. And that's what's going on. That is why nobody gets help from a rational voice. <laughs> and Thubby Uppen? I guess it's a semi-rational voice. Thubby Uppen will uh, hold up two fingers to El Torito and say, hold, please. All right. Everybody is stopped from getting a little too close to the gate because of this dripping stuff. And so from where you're standing, from what you can smell, from the cast that's over whatever is dripping, you can tell that this has an acidic nature to it. And in fact, as you're standing there watching where it's dripping in front of this door, you follow where it has landed and enough of it is dripping fast enough that it's made a little rivulet in the ground, kind of back the way it came. So it's almost dripping and then going back into the sewer grate, this tiny little bit of this substance, and then veers off. So if you once you get through this gate, you're not going to have to worry about this anymore. But where it rears off on the other side of the gate, you actually see a bit of bone. What looks like a couple of fingers of a humanoid hand and a bit of brown leather. And your suspicion about it being acidic is confirmed a bit more because of the brightness of the bone. Something that's been there as long as this skeleton obviously has been would have been aged and not be as bright as it was. But obviously, whatever this is dripping in front of the door is strong enough to keep the bone from patinating over and is kind of eating away at it and the leather. So you do think this would be a little dangerous to have drop on someone. Uh, I looked at El Torito and be like, see see this? It is it is acidic. It would be a, such a shame to ruin that beautiful hammer of yours. You know, you're so strong. I mean, you could easily just lift this up. And why risk splashing acid everywhere with your hammer? See those bones over there? They're cleaned, fl- so clean from the acid. They'd make wonderful uh, adornments to your earrings. Uh, I don't. I don't take trophies like that. Uh, out of the way, please. And he's gonna swing. What's it? No, no. Use your hands. Use your hands. Don't, don't, don't smash. Smashing. Give me an attack roll, and then oh, give and me I'm a... gonna rage. Okay, so I was gonna say because Zeph warned you about this dripping. Give me the attack roll first, and then uh, I believe you have because you're raging. You have advantage on dexterity saving throws. I think I just have that. You might just have that. I'm gonna say if you do, so go ahead and roll a dexterity saving throw as well. Uh, and... I'm, I was thinking on this. Uh, Zeph's gonna try to interpose because Zeph doesn't want the sewer grate and the area of these ruins to get destroyed. That's why he wants him to open it 
So seeing that he's swinging, he's going to try to protect the history. Jonathan, so, you okay with with this? Uh, if Zephyr's okay with getting hit, yeah, then sure. I, I, I'm okay with taking the hit. All right. Or, yeah, so I'm going to try to interpose. Swing. Okay, so here's what I want. So El Torito's swinging towards the grate. Zeph is going to come in and try to interpose. Zeph, what I need from you, um, when you interpose, are you just trying to take the hit or are you trying to, like, knock the hammer away? Like, what are you doing to I'm try to... I'm trying to, like, throw my shield hand up to, like, either... Take the move the hammer away, or just take the brunt of the hammer on my shield arm. Can I ask a, an out of character question really quick about this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Is this is this supposed to be in relation to like El Torito being in a bad mental place? A little bit of that. Also, there's acid, and he doesn't want to touch it. But he's been. I, just, I thought it was just dripping, not yeah, like on the actual thing. Not that you shouldn't do it, but just if you do, if you hit it, the acid will splash us. If you don't hit it, the we'll acid splash everyone. Or are we all gathered up right around me? So that's a good. It's good we paused because I think yeah. I was trying to figure out why you were so dead set on this. Because I thought I thought everyone backed off. Okay, so a couple things. Yeah, a couple things that'll help with this. So there's not really a splash range. There's not a puddle. You're not going to have to worry about splashing. It is dripping directly in front of the door. So essentially, moving into that space puts you at risk of being dripped on. So why does smashing this thing allow us to move forward? Because it's in our way. Yes, but what is... You said it's dripping in front of the door. Are you trying to smash the door or are you trying to smash the thing that's dripping? The door. Picture a, literally a door, and then like two or three feet in front of it is this steady drip of what Zeph has identified as something acidic. So essentially, the you need to get through the door in order to continue where you're going. The danger is not of a splash of acid, because like I said, there's no pool or anything. The danger is whoever moves into that spot to deal with the door in whatever way, whether it's hit it, whether it's something else... Uh, is at risk of getting dripped up. So the reason why El Torito is attacking is because trying to do an athletics check, he gets one shot at it, and that's his entire action. Whereas if he attacks it, he gets two. And Zeph is okay with the trying yeah, to it, Yeah, it, is, it seems like trying to rip the thing off yeah. the its hinges is more dangerous because he needs multiple rounds of saving throws. It's more power. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and Zeph would have thought that El Torito would have been small enough to kind of avoid the drip and if we got up close. So Zeph warning El Torito about what that is, is giving El Torito, essentially, if he didn't already have advantage on the dexterity saving throw to avoid it, it would have given him advantage since you already have advantage from raging. I'm it's, low- it's not just raging. He just has that all the time. Perfect. As long as he can see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's been not only, not only can you see it, it's been pointed out to you as dangerous. So I'm essentially lowering the DC of getting hit with this as it drips. Because you're still worried about the door being an artifact. Well, not not the necessary, like the where we're at being underground. One, it's ruins. So structural integrity of a hit taking it. Uh, and also not having to damage, you know, something that might be culturally, even if it is just an office building, could be culturally significant to someone other than Zeph. All of that's going through Zeph's head in that instant that they're throwing it up and will explain in due time of the split second of like, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Because everything's okay. so happening so quick. That's why Zeph's throwing the shield up to try to buy time to explain what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So here's the order I need things. We'll get the first attack from El Torito. 
because I know you've got multiple attacks. I need the dexterity saving throw from El Torito. I need from Zeph. I would like, give me a athletics check and a dexterity saving throw. And if you don't have advantage, I'll give you advantage because you know the danger. Uh, on both or one? Uh, advantage on the dexterity saving throw. Got it. Okay. Since that's so athletics. El Torito, what did you get for your attack? 20. Soft. Soft 20. Excellent. And what did you get for your uh, dexterity saving throw? 15. Awesome. And uh, Zeph, what did you get for your athletics check? Athletics is 5. Dex was 15. Okay. So here's what happens. El Torito goes to hit the door and try to... I think the way you'd probably avoid the acid, because there's no way to directly avoid if you want to get a good swing in, but it's dripping, so I think you time it. You wait for drip, 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 go. Slow-mo, the hammer is like just getting under the, the next drip as it drips by. Kind of. Zeph, you come forward with your shield hoping to knock the hammer out of the way, but I think because... El Torito is doing a timing thing, you miss the timing and you miss hitting the hammer. But the both of you are well aware of what's going on with the acid that's dripping. And so neither of you get hit. You're able to kind of roll yourselves out of the way so that nobody gets hit with the acid in this moment. El Torito, roll damage on your first hit. I have a question sure. that I think I know the answer to already. Okay. Uh, but, Lauren, if this is a mimic, then I get my Divine Fury. No, I get. I think I get my Divine Fury anyway. I'm going to make it uh, easy. It's the, not a mimic. The first... It really is just a feel like I feel like with a slightly better perception check, Una would recognize you a can... fellow mimic. Ah, creature. And then, hold on. Yeah. I was also going to throw Fury of the Small in there, but... You unfortunately cannot. That's also a creature. It is a creature. This is this is not a creature. Lauren, are you sure this isn't a mimic? I'm positive this is I not I would a really mimic. love my extra... Lauren, can you just double check your notes real like quick? D, <laughs> D6 plus, plus like eight here. Can I just make this an encounter? Unfortunately, no, but <laughs> give, give me your damage. Give me your damage. Have you put I a mean, timer is... on how long it's going to take us to get through a door? Listen, if you get through this door in less than a half an hour, you're still doing great for a D&D game. Then uh, bludgeoning damage. Perfect. There is a resounding clank as your hammer meets the metal of this grate. That while it was a very sturdy grate, time and a little bit of this acid and some of the destruction have left it weakened and rusty. And so as you hit right where the lock on this thing is, there's a crunch and a clang that rings out down both ends of this tunnel. And not only the door, but a couple of extra pieces of this grate Basically, the door swings inward and flies open, and bits and pieces of rust kind of go flying. But is is the door still intact? Yes. It's just it's, swinging open just with damaged bits coming You've off. unlocked it with your hammer. All right. So for the second attack, instead of swinging... Hold on, hold on. Instead of swinging his hammer, he's going to spin into the door opening 
and then stop as if he had opened the door from the inside, as if he's opening the door for everyone. Like, like if you're at the 7-Eleven and you open up the door, that's what he's doing right now. He's using his entire second attack to take this pose. And it's like, uh, la puerta está abria. You're going to do this. You're 100% going to do this. This is just to see how cool it is. Give me a performance check. Can I use my performance check from earlier? The 11? No, 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 no. That no, was no, no. Give me a, yeah, give me yeah, a separate yeah. performance check. Like I said, you're going to do this. It's just going to be how cool it is. Ah, middling cool. He stumbles over his, uh, his native goblin tongue. Well, what did you roll? A nine. So yeah, the, the physicality of it is real smooth. You hit, you spin, you grab the door, you open it up. But yeah, it does take that extra second to... You go to say the cool thing, and it takes an it's extra... It's not El Torito saying it. It's Jonathan having done, like, ten uh, Duolingo lessons today. <laughs> so. I love it. So to punctuate the knock, in, in the silence, the ringing silence, where the applause should be... Yeah. Una, still not paying attention, drops to the ground and screams at the moss and goes, Tell me how you glow! Why would you share your secrets? And and it is the the deflation in your balloon because you did do a good job. We just don't appreciate it enough. That's why it's not cool. Sure, that that yeah, that yeah. that that tracks. Huffy up and looks at the door being open. He's like, "Huh, Majama." <laughs> I like it. Def, do whatever you're going to do in this moment. And then we'll go back to Una examining the the moss and anything you want to do. Anything else you want to do in this room before we continue uh, So on. now that the door is open, I'm immediately like eyes wide like, oh shit. And I'm like putting my hands around the door frame and like casting mending for the next minute to make sure that it's structurally sound. <laughs> that like any residual like El Torito like micro fractures that might have come out from the door are Playing getting damage. mended. So Playing damage. Good news, bad news. The good news is, as you're examining it, it doesn't look like there is any imminent danger of something collapsing, a cave-in or anything. While the the door and the grate itself were all rusted and decrepit from age, the stonework around it, both the masonry and the natural stone, are pretty solid. The bad news is, your mending doesn't work on the natural stone. But the good news is, as you're trying to mend, you realize, oh, it's going to be okay. Okay. That's the that's the important part of the mending. Yeah. Um, so it's less about mending and more about structural integrity. Yep, we're okay. And since I'm there for a minute examining and El Torito's there, I'm like, don't tell my uh, thesis professors, but I had to fix a vase I was writing about doing this. <laughs> ah, Una, you've been examining this moss, mm-hmm. and now you've you've tried to intimidate this moss into telling it telling you its secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I love our group. Let me ask, have you just been looking at it? Like how, besides the the shout, what have you been doing to examine it? She's, I mean, I think she's just getting real close. Like she, she's doing what she, I think she's going through what she normally does when she is trying to replicate uh, any, any being or pattern or she just makes the colors and she makes the pattern and then she's like... Like, thinking through all the things, all the, like, you know how you do a thing and you're not sure how you do It's like thinking about breathing. It's try. It's like it's like if you pause to think about what it is to breathe, it's, it's being a changeling, you just do it. It's not as much hard stuff to it, but, like, occasionally. But this is hard. This is hard. And she's just, like, all the little math problems are, like, like are super. If you were to look in her brain, it would just be, like. 
very it it would be like somebody it's like a toddler staring at a at a whiteboard at MIT. It's not good right now. She's okay because she's just like I. It's like you know we all have a human body. It takes many, many, many years to understand professionally how they work. And while this is technically her profession, it's just also what she is, right? Oh, yeah. So give me a nature check. A nature check. Let's see if that's... All right, nature, nature, nature. I have a plus four to nature, but that doesn't mean anything if I roll like shit. All right. Yeah, I got a natural one today. The d- you know what? Here's the thing. If I'm going to just roll like shit about things like bioluminescence, I'll take it as long as I can still roll well if we get into a fight today. That's fair. If you will, will allow me, I usually ask how, why do you fail a specific check? But if you allow me to narrate a little bit, I think you're examining this moss and you get to the point where you haven't quite figured out exactly what kind of moss it is. You, you you don't necessarily know like how dangerous it is or how natural it is or anything like that. And the distraction of the door getting busted open and you your frustrations kind of bubble up. In this moment, you yeah, you can make the colors happen, but the glowing, it's the glowing. You do think you're going to need to do a little bit more not just examination, but maybe like essentially material analysis, like alchemical analysis to figure out, is this something you can do naturally or is this something you can learn to extract to be able to, say, have a a topical or a, mm. a something that you can put on that will help with the glowing? And you do think you will need to gather some of this moss up uh, if you want to specifically use this as your your alchemical base but this is this is going to take a little more study does she have like i assume we have like little pouches and shit oh yeah so she's gonna grab like a little pouch like might hold some you know think of it might hold some marbles or the visual that i've got right now is that she's gonna gonna doggy poo bag it where she you know turns the bag inside out over her hand yeah and she uses the bag to pick the moss up and then she goes and she puts like you would if you were scooping up dog poop. Mm-hmm. That is how she is going to collect her sample. Because she might be encountering for the first time that the thing that she has done effortlessly takes a little more effort than see it, be it. But she still isn't stupid. <laughs> so Yeah. Was Una trying to be stealthy about this or is she telling people what she's trying to do? She's not, she's just doing it. She's not paying attention to you guys. She's fully like, I rolled a three on that perception check. Her, gotcha. she's zoned in on this. And I will say, Zeph, before you you say anything, that yes, Una, you're absolutely able to doggy bag it up. And even with the natural one, you do realize that you need to take some of the dirt to keep the moss alive long enough to get to wherever you can do some alchemical tests. And yeah, you you, you can add to your character sheet doggy bag full of purple glowing moss. Una, if you're, if you're interested in botany, I have a colleague back on the Citadel that could help you with that. That would be... Much appreciated. What does your colleague know about glowing? They are, they tend to focus in uh, with underdark uh, ecology. Uh, and so I believe that there are some native species, and I'm not personally well versed in the underdark, so you'd have to talk to them. But uh, I believe there are flora and fauna in the underdark that uh, do create that luminous that you are asking about. Did you say 
Fauna. Flora and Fauna. This is good. This is good. Yes, yes I'll, I, when we get back to the Citadel, I will get you in touch. Much appreciated. Of course. Also, the stone's good. The stone is good. We're, we're very good. And then she looks up and she says, Oh, you unlocked the door. <laughs> I'm standing right here opening the door for everyone, but uh, sure, that, that's fine. And no, she's saying it to you. And then she says, I didn't know you could, oh. <laughs> I didn't know you could pick locks. Good job. Oh, yes. I, I, in a past life, uh, we did not have, I believe you sometimes call them skill monkeys. Uh, we did not have one of those, but uh, we had me. And we had a, uh, we had a fellow that, uh, he was very magically inclined, much like Thavi Uppen. Uh, he actually used that mage armor thing quite a bit, but uh, he was pretty big. She's going to pull out like three different lockpicks and she's going to be, so what's your favorite brand? Because she thinks you picked the lock. Oh, well, I, I use this and uh, he like holds up his, I believe it is of dwarven make from the, uh, I actually got it from the, uh, from the uh, Sunset Mountains in Faerun. I don't think that's going to fit in a lock. And she walks into their <laughs> And she walks away. I was just going to say, good to be in a party with not one locksmith, but two. And locksmiths in different ways. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Jesse Florence, Forrest, a.k.a. StabbyQuest, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.